This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Welcome into another episode of Half Measures Podcast. This week, my co-host Dan and I are packing our usual agenda because there's been an awakening. Have you felt it, Dan? <laughs> I've, I've felt it for. I it was probably what about the uh, the summer of 2014 oh. when the when it first started sort of coming about. The Force Awakens announcement with the with the with the Disney purchase of of Lucasfilm and, and the Star Wars franchise was a genuine a genuine shock moment for me it was it was it was just incredible and then hearing that Han Leia and Luke were back the the kid in me was genuinely we awoke you know reawoken <laughs> it is funny here because i remember being like a little bit like oh disney's buying buying the the star wars Right, and I was kind of like, is this is this good? But I was kind of like, I was confident from the, the Marvel Avengers films that, like, you know, they could potentially do good stuff with this. And at the same time, much like you, so excited that we were going to get another round of Star Wars. Like, it just didn't feel like something we were going to get to live through again. It was like the naive kid in me sort of thought, but that story's finished. But of course there's so much story to, you know, it, just because we, we saw what we saw, but it just... it. I had to take a moment and think, oh, yeah, no, we, we could go more. And then I feel like I've watched – so you talk about the summer of 2014. I feel like I watched that that trailer more than any other trailer in my life. And I actually, I actually re-watched it just last night ahead of this podcast, um, and I mean specifically the, the teaser trailer. And mm. honestly, go and YouTube it. It's 98 seconds. Tell me I'm wrong. It's the greatest trailer ever. And the moment – the moment that the Falcon flies in at the end of that teaser trailer, I believe is the greatest trailer moment ever. It was just everything. I like I, I think this trailer is awesome, but I think there is one thing that they always do with these Star Wars trailers that uh, frustrates me, Paul. And it's when they say Next Christmas. This Christmas. I knew you'd say Christmas. Yes, yes. And I was like, God, like, don't bring this into it. Yeah. Like, this is Star Wars, you know? Like it's like you're bringing in so much other yep. stuff you know with this and it kind of just i feel like every time i see it, it takes you out of it it takes me out yep. yeah i'm yeah. look we're 100 agreed with that. it's just something that reminds you that this is this is that sheer film and apparently not real ridiculous it's a it's a documentary on <laughs> correct from a long long time ago yeah, quite a quite a long way away as well um mm. so yeah so 1983 uh, you know, we talked about this when we did the the prequel trilogies. You know, nineteen eighty three, it all finished, and then they gave us the, the prequels, and then we had quite a long time with just you know a few things along the way, the animated, the Clone Wars, and and then all of a sudden we're back into twenty fifteen, the Force Awakens, the seventh episode in the Skywalker Saga, which, um, which. Actually, just even me saying the Skywalker saga is something, a term that was coined because of this sequel trilogy, right? It's funny because I feel like this was really, like like now in 2022, there is, um, actually, maybe it's 2023 when you're listening to this. Who knows? I've probably just dated this whole episode. <laughs> so um, 
you know, there's so there's been so much more Star Wars, right? Like we've had we've had the Mandalorian, we've had the Book of Boba Fett, we've had Obi Wan. Like there's been so much more stuff, and it all comes before uh, the Force Awakens. And I think interesting things have obviously happened with the the latter part of the Star Wars saga, where almost I feel like the prequels now get even more love. You know, and we always, you know, I always talk about them aging a bit like a fine wine, mostly. Mm. Um, and it's just, sort of, it's, it's interesting, just sort of like how all these things come about. And I imagine at some point in the future, and it's probably not so much with the Force Awakens, but as we sort of talk about this uh, next trilogy of movies in the saga, they will probably get their their time in the in the sun at some point when you know as more star wars content emerges and people come to appreciate them more and as other tv shows and things like that are produced which actually i think give a bit more weight to this this part of the saga yeah oh look i think you're exactly right i think um and we'll, we'll probably get into it possibly more when we come to last jedi and rise of skywalker but there was there was a lot of the fandom that wasn't buying into the sequel trilogy there was a lot of hate there was a lot of unnecessary commentary all kinds of things but i do feel like just like you <laughs> said with the prequels we're going to have that time in the future where it's all just going to come back and it's going to be reappreciated in a in a much deeper way so um so yeah so force awakens shall we should we dive on Jump it? Jump on in. So, yeah, let's do it. So our synopsis for this movie, spoiler alert, as, as a new threat to the galaxy rises, Ray, a desert scavenger, and Finn, an ex-stormtrooper, must join Han Solo and Chewbacca to search for the one hope of restoring peace. And for me, when you think about sitting in that cinema, you know, the, the anticipation and waiting for the credits to roll, and we're only what four seconds in and we're already in well i was in absolute shock with that opening line on the crawl luke skywalker has vanished i mean you've got everyone's attention at this point i think too like i so i went to the the midnight screening of this yeah. one Paul, i presume you did as well and i so i also so i had tickets to the midnight screening and then i also had tickets for like the, the 10am screening the next well, day played. because i knew that i wasn't going to like I was going to be so hyped up on, you know, just all the emotions, all the feels, all the sugar, and not going to be able to process all the things. And I feel like but because this is sort of like our, our sort of first Star Wars in such a long time, everything was just sort of like sensory overload. And I think like from the, from, you're right, from the moment the cruel happens, I feel like I barely remember that experience. It wasn't until I actually probably went back the next day that I really got to sort of appreciate the movie a little bit more. Oh yeah, I was ultra hyped throughout the entire movie, and that will come out as we as we go through it scene by scene. But just, I think even just seeing, like forgetting about the words, but knowing as it was scrolling up the screen that it was new words and that we hadn't mm. seen this before, and this was after the Return of the Jedi. I just. It was just a quite a surreal moment, as I say. the The kid in me was really, really excited. General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. You know, we're bringing in new words, and then we're off to a, this this planet Jakku. And so, the first scene, the the attack um, of the of the stormtroopers, and the entrance. I thought the entrance of kylo ren and the ship landing and the 
the the new theme music for Carlo Ren and just his presence and look and feel was a bold move to go with as as an opening scene because you know everyone's thinking who's the new big baddie and as far as we know at this point it looks like it's Carlo Ren and I thought it was a great entrance and I think every time I I rewatch it and I rewatch some of the effects like when he's stopping Poe's blaster it's I, I just think it's fantastic opening it's, it's such a strong start isn't it and I think you're right like so even like the intro to sort of Poe and BB-8, great. But I think like nothing tops that uh, that Kylo Ren. Like you can tell he kind of he commands authority. He kind of brings in that Darth Vader level of kind of like fear and terror. And because we've never seen things like blaster bolts being stopped by the Force, yeah, it, it's kind of a bit of a jaw dropping moment. And you know, it's really like oh my god, how powerful is this guy? Like obviously we don't know his uh, his history and context at this point, so it's intriguing from the get-go you've always got to do something more than the last film you know when the when the prequels came out Darth Maul walks in and he says why have one lightsaber when you can have two you know and and mm. as you say Kylo Ren coming in is like I'm just going to stop a blaster bolt with with the force to show how strong I am with the force instantly so you have an appreciation instantly of my mastery of the force um although that will come into question later when he's <laughs> fighting Ray but we'll we'll get there I guess I guess because there's so many intros of characters in that sort of like early moments, right? So we've got um, the introduction of FN2187. We've got um, Captain Phasma. We've got obviously Poe. We've got BB-8. Like there's all these kind of like brief kind of moments that kind of help set the scene. And even I think the moment that really kind of, um, I guess surprise me but like kind of was like oh Disney's been a bit braver th- with this and anticipated is when FN2187 like wipes the blood down mm. his Stormtrooper helmet like because we don't really see blood in the Star Wars universe that's a really good show actually we we really don't do we um that is a really good show it's a th- there's a lot of things they do in the opening scene that's um again un-Disney-ish you know like the flame troopers when they when they're going after the villagers and although they don't show us and, on, and of course we've seen the remains of Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru may they rest in peace uh, you know when we never saw quite what the stormtroopers did it was implied but whereas this we actually see the flames sort of sort of at least starting to go after them I thought um another thing that I thought was strong was the the character who really has very few lines and is is gone before we even get to know him Lortan Saka I, I just think his 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 look his his um his voice just really you know that that max von Sido was just a perfect actor to bring across that sort of little bit of majesty of someone you know that whole it sort of maybe have a bit of an alec guinness moment you know just someone with a voice like a christopher Plummer or something you know i thought he was great and just really gave a bit, a bit of power to that scene well i think you know first of all what a fantastic name yeah like, like so, so good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, even his real name, Max von uh, Sido, <laughs> is uh, incredible. I, I think you're right. He did have a real sort of Alec Guinness kind of vibe. And like from the get go, you're like, who is this guy? It's just like, are we looking at a, a Jedi here? Like, what's what's happening? Yeah. And then because it is such a, a short run, it's like, oh, God, no. And I think that's where your brain instantly starts sort of firing with different sort of theories and plots for where this is all going yeah and you know finn as you say with the blood and then taking off the helmet that's not something other than han and luke in disguise we've not seen a a stormtrooper's helmet be removed in the star wars universe in that fashion and and instantly being able to see from his facial expressions the regret of maybe 
you know, you go in, you do the interview, you say you can do the job, but it turns out, you know, it's not for you. It's, um, yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. This is intermediate. I'm a beginner. Um, I, it's, it's the same equally with Captain Phasma, right? So Gwendolyn Christie, like we, we haven't heard a sort of a female stormtrooper voice yeah. either. So again, that's a whole nother. And I think for me, and this will come out multiple times throughout the next few movies, so intrigued with Captain Phasma from the get go. Yeah. Uh, I and I feel like it will come out as you say, but it's uh, there was so much hype around that character, even down to the. Sometimes you can tell by the size of the person in the in the poster gives an indication of the significance that they might play throughout that movie or throughout this this sequel trilogy. But yeah, their their command of the situation was really strong. I think also. The whole Poe versus Ren scene, you know, where Ren has got Poe on the ground. Yeah, this is before we even leave the planet. And the whole, so what happens? Do you, do you talk first? Do I talk first? It's difficult for me to tell with the mask. The, the humor that's injected into that point and the, the manner and the the, the sort of the, the callous nature of how he says it instantly connects me to Poe. Straight away, I'm team Poe. I agree. Like, I think, like, Poe is already, he's got a great kind of, uh, Top Gun Maverick vibe to him, eh? Like, you know, he's already trying to, like, use the X-Wing for, for some sort of ground assaults. Surprisingly, his X-Wing blasts apart very easily from those uh, those Stormtrooper blasts. But, yeah, great banter. Great setup. Yep. And then, of course, we we rise up to the the First Order first, first order Star Destroyer, and straight away we know what it is. It's got a very familiar look and a very familiar feel, although it's, it's quite clearly it's a newer model. You know, it's like when you look back at an old Ford Escort and then you look at it, a modern Ford Escort. That's a bad analogy, but you know what I mean. When you look at a car from the eighties <laughs> and then you look at it in the two thousands, oh yeah, I remember it. It's like it's just the same, yeah. but it's not the same. Um yeah. and I think, you know, we straight away know, oh, this is Empire two right down to the decor, the the modernized stormtroopers, all the things. It's um for me, I think all of those factors together make this potentially the strongest opening scene of any of the Star Wars movies. I think it's a really solid um, first opening scene, which which is not something I can say about the next movie, The Last Jedi, which we'll talk about when we get there. But for me, I think this was as good as it gets. Yeah, I think you're right. Like I think it it comes in it comes in hot and it comes in fast. And I think because what often happens with well, I guess particularly the the prequels is it's very political, right? Like we're talking about trade negotiations, we're talking about politics. Whereas this is kind of coming in at Star Wars, sort of core of like here's your hero here's your villain here's kind of a bit of a we're going to throw you in some action and we're going to get this story started and i think that's what kind of made the force awakening like it hooks you in straight away yeah it really does and then we cut and we've we've left the black of space and we you know we're we cut to to ray on on jacko well i suppose actually do we do we go there or do we yeah no, i think we, we do, do go, yep. it's for me, this is another scene which is just played out so perfectly in terms of the the entrance of Ray and the 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 the, the sheer scale and size of this uh, star destroyer that she's you know scavenging and then rolling down the side of the hill. The whole opening for Ray and not knowing what it is she's exactly doing or who she is, but I just thought again and again the Ray theme instantly love that another john williams masterpiece i thought this as a second scene was equally superb 
Mm, no, I think you're right. Like, I think another strong introduction. I remember thinking at the time, what is this Jakku? Is this just like Tatooine 2.0? And I think, you know, now we've come to learn so much more about Jakku, like, yep. particularly through um, Star Wars books, through um, Star Wars Battlefront, the the video games. Like, we know about some of the big battles that took place there and, and why all of those ships are there and why it kind of where there's money to be made as a scavenger. So, and again, like, her great introduction to BB-8, like, you instantly mm. kind of strong alliances are built from the get-go yeah it's, it's the luke and r2 moment you know straight away this droid gets this person this person gets this droid they're a great team straight away and 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 even the the, the moment where we discover that her her home is actually uh just you know sort of taken down atat was a really awesome moment to for the first reveal of that every every subsequent time you watch it you know what it is but the first time it's uh it was such a great reveal Definitely. And even like the helmet full of sand and just sort of like yeah. some of the great, like the great wider Star Wars universe throwbacks is, is really cool. And I think, you know, the other thing I, I, I kind of enjoy is all the kind of weird and wonderful um, cameos that different actors and actresses have in the Star Wars universe. And there's the great one uh, with obviously Simon Pegg where she's off to get her food portions. And it's, again, some, some great lines and some, some great memeable moments in there. One quarter portion. That's even less than a half measure, one quarter portion, by the way. It's um, it's not a lot. And yeah, Simon Pegg as, as Uncar Plot was was a nice a nice moment um it was a good a good injection of a bit of humor and also an opportunity when we see that scene where she's sort of reminiscing to you know the the, the past it's uh it was a, a really good sort of cut away from that opening moment but then of course we go straight back up to the star destroyer the the, the finalizer um pose pose in trouble he's by himself he's he's going nowhere there's no way out of this finalizer is there no, and I think this is uh, this is interesting, right? Reading the um, Phasma book, you kind of understand a bit more about the the Stormtrooper uh, or the First Order sort of training regime for new Stormtroopers and all the sort of tests they have to go through and, and the tight ship that Captain Phasma runs. Unfortunately, that doesn't really play out as a bit of a backstory in the movie because you've got to make choices, right? Like she's not sort of core to the... Um, immediate Star Wars story in front of us but yeah it's interesting to kind of you know Finn kind of realizing this is not the life for him yeah and you know if you if you want to get away what better opportunity to to get away than to have a you know one hell of a pilot found in the midst of the ship that you're trying to get away from all you need now Mm. is is a ship and the instant they get into that TIE fighter and and of course once that once that cable, you know, because they're sort of they're sort of tethered, aren't they? Once they release that cable, for the first time, I think ever in Star Wars, when we watch the Tie Fighter absolutely accelerate away from the Star Destroyer, and then Poe's reaction to "Whoa, this thing really moves." That's the first time I feel like I've really appreciated the speed and the ferocity. Until I mean, obviously we've watched Andor now, and so we've seen Tie Fighters, you know, skimming along the surface in Andor. But it's the first time I've really got an appreciation for the speed of the Tie Fighter. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good shout. I think they are such a, a nimble craft, considering they've kind of got these uh, big weaknesses, which I think are the actual Tie Fighter wings, which kind of block out so much of it. Uh, vision i think but i think the way that that ship's able to move is is incredible the other thing that kind of i guess 
I hadn't really thought about is the the TIE fighter being a, a two pilot vehicle in the yes. bus. And so, you know, like having them kind of get in back to back, I was like, oh, I just presumed it was a, a one person pod in there. Yeah. And that's a really good question because I haven't done my homework. I don't know if that was, was it the case with the Empire's ties, but this is a first order innovation. I, I just don't know. But it is the first time we get a real feel for what it's like inside the tie. And the more you watch that movie over and you sort of step, paying attention to the background sort of watching the direction of the stars from each person's mm. vantage point of course one of them is going backwards the whole time it's um that would be quite quite an experience and i guess it kind of makes sense for a craft like that where it's kind of only got a a front and rear view it would make sense to have a another pilot or yeah almost weapon system in the rear now at this point you know they get hit by one of the torpedoes and and they crash and as i say at this point from the first viewing I don't know about you, but I genuinely believed, oh, Poe's done. Like, he, he's gone, Burgers. Because when Finn gets out and that TIE fighter sinks into the sand, I, I'm pretty sure at the, the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, he's done. And, of course, the original script apparently had Poe being written out at this point. But, but when they tested with Oscar Isaac and they realized how great his character was, they wrote more for his, and of course, I can't imagine this this trilogy now without Poe. But at this point, that was supposed to be his only his only role. He's done his bit, got Finn out. It's madness, Paul. I couldn't imagine this this series without Poe. I think he's the he's the core yeah. of uh, of this. And so, um, escaping from Jakku is the the objective, and we're going to have Ray and and Finn come together. And Ray, just a quick note on her about accents is as well you know that british accent the first time someone so clearly uh is is going to be good is someone on the good side has a british voice because star wars traditionally even right through most of the tv series maybe not andor but most of the others has only ever really used that british for the imperial officers and the rebels are always the yanks and the the you know but ray is quite clearly coming across with that sort of british tone but She's a goodie. Yeah, I even enjoy the sort of the first interaction between um, Finn, Ray, and BB-8. And obviously, you know, there's an immediate sort of connection between BB-8 seeing Finn wearing Poe's jacket and kind of like what's going on here. And then um, Finn trying to like protect Ray as people try to sort of steal the BB-8 unit. And I think, again, like they just really quickly build those relationships and, and almost kind of trust. And I think that's something I kind of really appreciate about this movie is they they rapidly create these kind of moments that make you believe that these characters could be connected. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And there's there's no doubt the connection between Finn and Ray is 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 instant, even though she's she's hitting him quite a few times. And uh, the the fact that they 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 hear the ties coming and they're like, okay, we got to run, we got to get out of here. That running through the sand, and that was a big part of the trailer. Of course, we didn't know at the time what they were running from and, and why. Um, but how are they going to get off the planet? You know. Even just the fact that, like, the way we kind of got to the Falcon, like, yep. how they're kind of choosing all these other ships, and then eventually it kind of pans to the Falcon. That's like a, that's like a, a cinema cheering moment of like, you know, like it's so like the Falcon is a character in itself, it. right? Like it's sort of yeah. That, that, I mean, if it's, we weren't connected from the from the moment from the Star Wars theme and the crawl and Luke Skywalker has vanished and the, the stormtroopers and stars, this is one thing that is untouched unchanged it is the falcon 
it's amazing. Yeah. And it's it's always like the Falcon's so trusty, right? Like first of all, it's been sitting there for a while. No one knows if it goes. It's sort of considered a heap of junk. Obviously, Ray gets it going, and not just gets it going. She instantly becomes one of the the greatest Falcon pilots oh, we've seen. You know, she re- oh she re- Ray flying the Falcon really sells it to me. Um, as as she's sort of she's really throwing herself around in that cockpit more than I think we ever saw Han or Lando ever do, and I feel like the way she sort of pilots it and then escapes through the, I think it was a superstar destroyer that was crashed, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I think the, I, that is, I mean, I know I'm saying a lot of things about, oh, this is the best thing that I'm that scene of, um, her and, you know, Finn giving the big Ric Flair woo as they escape that whole escape scene of her f- piloting the Falcon. That is, that is in my top 10 star Wars scenes ever. So just to really pump that up there, I love it. I think you're right because we don't often see the Falcon in kind of like low altitude, high speed chases. We we see it like obviously with, you know, big spaces across the galaxy and, you know, but that's different, right? Like this is an intentional sort of maneuvers and, um, you know, you kind of wonder about where Ray kind of like got these skills, but I guess, you know, when the force is strong with you, Paul. That's what it's all about, right? The sound of the Falcon's engine um yeah i mean as we say yeah they say all the garbage will do and then it pans out the look of the falcon is one thing the sound of the engine is one thing the the music that plays that's the first time we hear that sort of that theme that's sort of reserved for the falcon played it all comes together absolutely super because the falcon is like a i don't know like whatever car you used to travel in as a kid or your it's a safe place as soon as you get in it you know you're safe sort of thing well actually Mm -hmm. based on facts you'd actually most of the time get caught or crashed but there's a feeling of safety indeed indeed and that kind of leads us to our our next big moment right so this is where the the falcon has to has to dock and we come across some old friends yeah and of course at at first we think we're actually in trouble because we've been towed in on a tractor beam and um and we're in trouble but i mean we've all seen the trailer several times at this point we we i think we all know who's coming through the door at this point and it's even though we've seen in the trailer chewy were home a hundred times it's saying it on the big screen in the moment and then seeing the dialogue that follows that scene is great i think this is this is one of the moments where obviously so great to see Han and Chewie kind of like the door slide up, slides up, they come through, the, the Chewie kind of growl, just incredible. I do find this moment a little bit kind of ham-fisted though, that like it just, they just happen to kind of stumble across yeah. them. But in saying that, like I feel like Han and the Falcon are meant to be together, so there's always going to be these moments that, that brings them back. But it, it was a very convenient uh, introduction of all of these characters. It is convenient. In fact, if anything, um, and this is a question I sort of asked towards the end of the pod for these Star Wars movies, what would you change? One of the things that's going to be in there for me is is it, it's not so much the convenience of which they were hand comes back to the Falcon so quickly. Um, you know, this thing's been on the planet for ages. It's in the air for three seconds and he's got it. Um, but what actually then follows, there's a scene that follows this, that for me is kind of like it's not filler and it's not badly done, but do I need it? Do we need it? That whole the whole skirmish when Kanja Club and the rest of the gangs come in Han Solo, you know, all that <laughs> as funny as it is, and the Wrath Tars. I don't know. It's 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 a bit of a it feels like a scene in a game. It's a bit much for me. 
I 100% agree with you. I've always felt that the scene could be cut out. Um, I don't think it really gives you anything. Like, if anything, it's kind of more pain. That sort of, you know, how the sort of the poetry of the Star Wars saga and the sort of symmetry that they like to create between different movies. Like, I feel like it's kind of just repeating some of the New Hope, kind of like Han's always in trouble, always owes money. Yeah. But because this doesn't really play out in the wider like it just it kind of felt like we didn't need this and it felt like more of a like it would have been great to maybe use that because that, that would have been a ton of practical and special effects right to create a lot of these scenes it could have probably been better used elsewhere but at the same time I kind of understand they needed a something from sort of the narrative point of view to actually connect all these characters together and make them feel like they've kind of got a bit of a shared purpose yes that's it it's the bonding between um ray and finn with 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 han and chewie and to sort of yeah create that relationship i i feel there was you know, it was a bit of fun seeing han back in truck because he's always owing money to someone i mean he's been owing money his whole life and you know if it's not jabba chasing him then it's the kanja club and the, the the death gang and it's there is something funny about seeing han struggling you know good to see you you know and the whole um i'll I'll pay you double you know all all of that sort of stuff there is that that does really go back to the the core of of han right the way through all of his movies but um but yeah i'm always i'm always glad when we've sort of kind of got through this and then we come into the real dialogue so you know um the your han solo oh i used to be your han solo the war hero and and (laughs) there's a funny moment where Chewie's like, I don't know if he's really a hero. There's a great vocal moment from Chewie where he's like, I, I don't know if he's a hero. Um, but the whole bit where we have uh, the mention of Luke's name, Harrison Ford's face, the acting skills of Harrison Ford, where we see him, because he's got his back to the characters, where they mention Luke and you see his face, That is that is absolute solid gold it's so funny because just knowing everything that we know about uh harrison ford and how much of us kind of like i don't know whether love is even the right word but like love hate relationship with the whole star wars universe and the fandom like compared to someone like mark hamill and yet he still is kind of back and kind of like can bring can bring the goods to these kind of like real kind of emotional moments is is incredible i think it speaks to his uh, as you say his quality and craft as an actor yeah and I think talking of facial expressions, the the excitement on Ray's face when when Fee, when Finn says to her, "Oh, BB-8 has a map to Luke Skywalker," and the smile and the excitement—that is the look of all of our faces in the cinema at this point. That's what we're all here for. Mm. And it was so so that scene played out quite well. But it's it's I think they cut away to circular base, and and I think it's it's good because now we're now we're starting to okay, let's get into the meat and bones of this movie and actually, um, yeah, we we see Supreme Leader Snoke. Um, and at this point, he's he's terrifying to us. He can see everything. He is emotionally calm. He's plotting a long-term strategy. And then out of nowhere, he drops that bombshell. Oh, and Han is, uh, is Kylo Ren's father. I mean, it's classic Star Wars. Oh, and what a great kind of like the, oh, my God, moment, right? Because that's something we just, you know, didn't see coming, didn't know what it meant, didn't, yeah. It was a... A great moment to kind of bring about all the emotions. I always found the the projection of Snoke looking down at uh, Kylo Ren 
and the the size difference between those yeah compared to i guess palpatine sometimes used to do it but it was always like is snoke like a giant like is he like a bfg or is this just the size of the projector we're in a big cinema (laughs) he's definitely a bfg i think um i think you're right like that was definitely a moment of like oh what what is snoke and i think you know that sort of lent led on to a few years of kind of speculation about you know his kind of his size what type of creature he was and I also think it's really interesting as well that I think the relationship that different characters have between these like you know the Emperor Snoke like so Kylo's obviously on a knee he's 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 been the knee he's sort of like full respect whereas um Hux is more kind of like he's he's coming out from a military point of view so he's just kind of standing there talking like he's not a I'm not bending the knee to people like with your your bloody magic. He's a contractor, Dan. He's he's not there for the copa. He's he he's just there to do his job. He's not he's not about the force. He doesn't he doesn't believe in it. It's like he's like Han Solo in the original trilogy. Whereas now we've got Han Solo saying, you know, it's true. The force, the Jedi, all of it. Han's now sold on the force. He's seen it. But yeah, uh, yeah. General Hux. Um, he's at at this point in the in the trilogy he seems to be the strongest of the two characters you know him and him and ren he's uh he knows what he's about and he's 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 quite fierce in that respect well it, i think he's you know he, he's you can see the anger in him you can see the like there's just some fire in him i think which kind of it's always great when you've got someone kind of controlling the, the the Empire side of things. And I think even just a, a shout-out to, like, Starkiller Base. Mm. Like, so great. Because obviously, you know, we know um, Starkiller from another Star Wars video game, but just I love it when the universe starts to come together like this. Yeah. Oh, no, nice touch using the, the name Starkiller for this. And also, if you're going to do a Death Star 3.0, you, you, you're going to have to really up the game again you know everything has to be raised up so if we go from the size of a moon now we're going to just have it as a whole planet um mm. so i wonder how they might be able to supersede that with the rise of skywalker we'll we'll see when we get there but um the scar the stacular super weapon um is impressive the demonstration of power is 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 really impressive um but we cut back now to our heroes and we're off to a new planet we haven't been to before, Takodana. And I, for one, am relieved that this is not a planet full of sand because I think Star Wars is guilty of going to too many desert planets. Um, but yeah, we're off to, we've got to go and find uh, an old friend of Hans. And at this point, I'm again borderline. I'm not as harsh on this as I was with the uh, the Kanja Club moment, but there's moments of this scene where I'm like, what are we doing here? But it, it soon comes, you know, we soon get to understand why we're here. Yeah, and I think, I think, like when we finally sort of, like we get to this sort of like obviously interesting sort of cantina in the forest. It kind of has more of a indoor vibe than I guess than yeah. uh, than anything else. But I originally was kind of a bit unsure of the the Mez Cantina Kanata, sorry, um, character, and because she always kind of reminded me of kind of a, a pruned up kind of like orange, and. <laughs> I, but over time, I think she's really kind of grown on me and I've always kind of appreciated and, and I've kind of been intrigued in, in her character. And I imagine there's some there's some great backstories, particularly to maybe some of her um, adventures with people like Han and even Luke and, and things. So kind of intrigued. I love that kind of, you know, 
every time something happens in the cantina, you know, it's not to be trusted. You can kind of, you know, there's, there's spies there. There's there's all sorts of sort of mistrust. Um, but I know what you mean, though, because, it, again, it kind of feels like we're just kind of repeating the tropes of, an, of A New Hope, but just in a slightly different setting. Um, the one difference that I think which really saves this whole entire scene for me, and I don't know, I might be jumping too far ahead, Paul, is when there is a, sorry, when the, when the First Order arrives uh, on the planet. Yes, that, oh, look, that is a moment that really brings, and that really revs up the action, and we're getting back into an action scene, but just back to the, the character of Maz, I, I, I have a similar feeling to you, but I do, I, I love the voice, uh, Lupita mm. Nyong'ol, mm. apologies if I butchered that, but as Maz can I think the way she talks to Han and the way she loves Chewie, I do love, oh, I yeah. do love that dynamic. And of course, there's the whole scene with, with Ray, you know, venturing downstairs to find this box, um, which I think we should dive into as well. Um, but there are, yeah, there's a lot of things in here, but yeah, the arrival of the first order, um, is is really strong and there's only one thing that can actually one up that and that's the arrival of the resistance the arrival of the resistance scene i think one of my all-time favorite star wars moments when like poe and the squad of x-wing pilots is just like skimming along the water it's one of the most badass star wars things ever and i just i it just always fills me with such joy and excitement because it's like, I don't know, there's just something so cool about a, a low sort of buzz the tower type scene um, when you're coming in hot and you're getting ready for battle. And again, like so much kind of happens here because we've obviously got a, a bit of a battle emerging in the sky. We've got a, a bit of a battle emerging on the ground. We've got Ray who gets taken by Kylo. We've got uh, Finn like using the lightsaber to try and take oh, on yeah. um, other first order troopers like this. And again, like we don't often see like so quickly to kind of be like, Oh, I'll just take that lightsaber and I'll use it. You know, like it kind of like plays out in that whole thing of who, who is the force user in this? Story. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and that's one of the wonderful things about the first watch is we're, we're not sure like who, who does the saber belong to? And of course, if we go back to Ray grabbing the saber, that scene as well, sort of makes you think oh it's definitely her because it makes a connection with her straight away we've got the she it's there's this wonderful moment where it takes her into the tunnels of cloud city and we hear the mm-hmm. vader breath um and then we see uh luke or the back of luke with r2 we know it's luke because it's got a metal hand you know and we we know because we've watched the movie several times it's that was his training camp being burnt down at the time we don't exactly know what we're seeing but that whole thing is wonderful the 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 entrance of Poe is the he, he makes the greatest entrance of all time. That's like if you're going to enter the wrestling ring, this is the way you do it. You go around, and take out a few people on your way, and then the look up from Finn that, that he's one hell of a pilot. At this point, I know that he's one of my favorite characters ever, and the the Ray Finn Poe dynamic is truly now. We this is the next generation of our Star Wars heroes, and I think that that they wrote all three of these characters in this movie absolutely spot on mm-hmm. and i think this is going to be tough when we come to actually ranking this movie because i think this movie does set up so many great things that don't necessarily come to fruition which is going to make it difficult right because yep. it's anyway we'll, we'll, i'm jumping well well ahead so we'll come back to that um before we 
do the the full um the, the resistance and the the fight and the ray ren stuff there's also a lo- another scene in there that um the general hack speech when he's um he's talking to all the troops and it is awesome and it is so nazi you know it is it mm-hmm. is and this is for his character zach i don't think we realize it at this point but looking back across the trilogy, this is peak Hux, and he is at his absolute best. And at this point, I'm really excited as to where this this character goes. And you know, like we said before, Stacular Base fires multiple planets in one shot. So this, you know, this this is like this is not the Death Star. This is a way bigger deal. So we're in a lot of trouble as a galaxy. Imagine just living your life, Paul. You're just like, you know, like like we see on some of those planets, you're just, you're having a cocktail on the, the balcony of your space apartment and all of a sudden your planet gets blown up, it's you know. Un- no one's it's, safe. It's no one's safe. There's there's nowhere to hide. And at this point, I feel like uh, as you're watching it, you, you would think from the outside looking in, the First Order is, is, is more organized than the Empire. It's stronger. It's got more weaponry. The ships are, are better. The the leader seems calmer and less sort of driven about, you know, than Palpatine. Perhaps it, from this point, it looks like that anyway. So there's a real, they've really set up the the villain, the bad side, the bad side, the dark side. They've done it. They've done it really well. And of course, as you say, um, Finn's got the lightsaber. He's on the planet. He's taking out the i love the way the the guy shouts trade at him it's like you're part of this team i see you and i'm not going to let you get away with it i love that stormtrooper who calls him out for being a traitor it's always been such an intriguing scene to me because it's like do like of like because i think the whole point of being a stormtrooper is you're largely kind of anonymous right like you are you don't have any kind of identifiable features and so obviously i imagine they've shared finn's photo or picture and and people know who it is but it it felt like such a personal like traitor and then like the way he's like with his like um uh baton and it's like we don't we've seen it in video games but we haven't really seen a lot of it in in the movie universe of things that, of weapons that can go toe to toe with a lightsaber yeah, and we need that and um it really just it levels the playing field just like in the mandalorian with the uh i've forgotten the name of the metal that um oh the vibranium <laughs> vibranium you're just making up words now <laughs> no what is it it's um I want to look at that. Yeah, okay, yeah. That 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 ability to withstand a lightsaber is crucial because if you've got a saber, nothing can stop it. Biska. Thank Biska. you. That's the one. yeah. Similar to vibranium, which is vibranium, isn't that like um, X Men or like Wolverine or something? Don't know. Oh, um, that's a half measure. Uh, that that scene is 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 really powerful and it, and it gives us even more belief in in Finn and he looks great with the saber. By the way, I think he really handles himself. I, I love the way there's a there's a this is my first time with a lightsaber kind of fighting style. I think he he really conveys that really well. Um, before we jump forward to the next scene, there is another little scene inserted in here which we've sort of just jumped past, which was the the scene with Ren talking to the remains of Vader's helmet. I mean, how he got the helmet for status you know, from Endor. Someone somewhere found this. They struck gold. They put it on eBay and kylo has purchased it but it's a really it's a really great moment to see that and of course we saw a little bit in the trailer but seeing it in the movie is is so much more 
Yeah, no, and I think it's, again, another moment that really kind of, like, brings home. So he's Han's son, he's, his grandfather is Darth Vader. Like, it, it's, it becomes so meaningful, yeah. right? It's um, it's great. And and also, just, again, jumping back to the Ray scene with Obi-Wan saying, Ray, these are your first steps. That's another um, powerful moment as well. So we, we, we've got these two, you know, there's the three of them, but the Ray is quite clearly the sort of the the main protagonist now at this point, and they've both got a history behind them, and we don't know what Ray's history is exactly, but um, when Ren takes Ray and we see the ship take off, we're going into the final third of the movie, which is where it really starts to ramp up. It's good. It's good. So, it's I think it's it's a great kind of end of the middle half of the movie isn't it because it kind of like it's because unlike a lot of the other star wars movies i think they they kind of keep their their foot on the accelerator throughout so much of the plot and so at no point are you kind of like oh god like it's another sort of political story or another trade negotiation story. it's very much kind of about building these quick relationships and um setting the scene for for what's to come exactly right and and as we jump into the final third We've got the finally the the entry to the movie of, of uh, I was going to say Princess Leia, but you know really General General Organa Leia Organa, and that moment where she and Han look at each other is 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 so special. And what better way to ruin that than to have three PO stick his head in the middle of the scene and say, Oh, it's me. Oh, you you probably don't recognize me because I've got a red arm. Sorry about that. It's it's great. That is again great use of C three PO. I, I thought it was great. Like I think as much as, you know, three PO can be a frustrating character, I, I think that was just the perfect kind of uh crossover of him. I kind of I'll tell you what I don't like, Paul, is I I don't like the fact that uh Princess Leia, General Organa, and Han Solo are kind of separated, you know, like a or, or on a break, yeah. as we have to put it in sort of a friend's term. I like, in my Star Wars universe, I need them to be, you know. Whole. Yeah, that's a really good call, actually. I just kind of accepted that that is the way it is. And why is that? It's, um, it's it would have been, I, I guess they're trying to find a way to keep, because the Han Leia dynamic was always, even though there was obviously the love, it was always about the way they would fight, the way they would argue, and were they trying mm. to um, amplify that side of things? I don't know, but it's a really good shout. I've just, I've, why did they go in that direction? It's a really good question. Like, I understand it from the point of view of, like, they've both got quite important roles to play in, in the resistance and, and leading it forward, but just it kind of felt like they'd been separated for a while, but they've kind of, like, come to terms with it and they still kind of love each other. And it's just like, I, I want them to be mum and dad again, Paul. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. And the sort of the, the way that scene plays out and the, the, the yeah, they, they instantly sort of fall into an argument and a disagreement. And they temper that with some humor with 3PO just looking over at Han, shrugging his his metal shoulders and just saying, princesses. It's a real modern day joke that um, sort of uh, yeah. 3PO delivers pretty, pretty well. And, and when did you ever help? And don't say the Death Star. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It's great. It, I, I think it's fun. Like, I've probably been a little bit dramatic about it because I think kind of that – 
they've been through a lot, right? Like they've kind of lost a son in this process. So I imagine like if you really start to probe at it and the way that their relationship has always been is one kind of built on high intensity, um, kind of not really been truly kind of probably um, values align people. So it kind of makes sense, but it's, it's just another interesting little dynamic to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And I guess they do, they do show that closeness and they bring them together through their son and sort of saying, I, I saw him, I saw our son. And that sort of, that, that is where they're bonded, of course. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, if Luke couldn't reach him, how could I, Luke is a Jedi, you're his father. You know, Leia is really, Leia has always been the more intelligent, the, the more, um, strategic, the, the longer term. Yeah. She's, she's the center. So she's the, she's the one who went through, everything and has always been the strongest of the three of them probably and so it's no surprise now that as we go into the the final battle that Leia's calling all the shots indeed i guess it's um another great sort of moment from here is the transition over to the resistance base and i'm always impressed paul with how quickly the resistance and the rebels can pull together all of their technology their whiteboards their it's it's an impressive feat the way that they can sort of quickly shift their bases and it's they've got another great one here there's x-wings everywhere it's they look ready for attack it's it's great if they were to show the moving you know the pack up and move of a base and reset up and all the things putting together the tech they could easily play the 18 theme tune music or the macgyver music and it wouldn't look out of place at all because the resistance bases the rebel bases they always look like the sort of place i'd love to be Indeed. And I guess, because this is really where we really get the, the sense of like the map and the, the sort of the hunt for Luke and the, mm. you know, the our first sort of sighting again of R2-D2. Yes. Another, another huge character that um, at this point has been out of it. I mean, let's not forget, as this movie has been taking along, I'm first viewing, not able to cope at the point. I'm like, where's Luke? Are we, are we going to find Luke? Where's Luke? We, we still haven't, no one's, where's Luke? You know, the whole time. But R2, yeah, another big character to to sort of throw in and seeing that map come together. Now we've got a, an understanding of, of what's going on and the, and the scale of things. But um, there's a huge battle ahead. And as always, throw it together at the last minute. It looks like there's no way to overturn Starkiller Base. But because Finn was a, a stormtrooper, he knows... He knows a way to to get in there. Very, very true and very sort of um, interesting, isn't it? Like, because it's it's kind of I don't know. I think it's it's good that they're able to sort of like again sort of like have all these people there to kind of bring this plan together and a great sort of I guess it's a bit of a plot point, isn't it? That they've got someone that understands the inner workings and this, this is it. We've never had that before in any of the the previous you know six movies at this point um someone on our team on our team who used to work for the others is kind of it's um yeah it's it's the ultimate you know someone who you check their linkedin oh you, you used to you were with the empire oh you're with the first order it's a real handy what can you tell us about that and it, it's always it's an interesting uh scene in here isn't there where obviously like the plan comes together and han and um chewy and um finn sort of are the ones to off off to go and sort of save ray and um progress this whole story but there's a line in here that uh leia says which i always kind of find a bit on the nose when she's like bring our son home and i'm like leia 
Like he's like a full blown Sith. Like he's <laughs> he's got a rank. He's got a full costume. He's got his own custom lightsaber. Like it's not just a clean extraction here. And I feel like the pressure that you're putting on on Han is it's too much. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, have you seen Arsene lately? He's not. He's not the kid we remember. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good call. He does. Uh, he does have a, a big ass to to bring Ben home. Um, and and before they get to that, of course, we see Ray um, being interrogated by Ren. And this is where we see, I think, for me, it sort of strikes me the first understanding the Jedi ness <laughs> coming through when she realizes that she can push back of, on that interrogation and then she starts to sense his fear as 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 not being the equal not being as strong as as darth vader and um that's a really powerful moment as well because ren didn't see that coming either i think there's a couple of interesting things so just one going back to the moment of uh leia referring to kylo as ben like isn't that so, isn't that so much more powerful yes. now that we've seen the obi-wan series like it's kind of it's yeah. Like, as opposed to just kind of being a, a weird sort of connection in the universe, it really means something. But two, just going back to the, you're right, like the interesting kind of moment between Ray and Kylo, because Kylo to this moment has, you know, I'm fully believing that he's he's got the force unlock, he knows what he's doing, but he, he's an acting manager, Paul. Like, he's not too sure of his abilities. <laughs> he's an acting manager. It comes with the pay as well. Um, it's... Uh, He's he's pretty sure of his abilities, um, and but someone who yeah, going back to her her abilities, she's starting to understand very very quickly. If you think about how long it sort of took Luke to, <laughs> I'm not going to go at Luke, but how long it sort of took him to sort of pick up any force abilities when he was fighting against the remote and or whatever else, Ray's picking things up really quickly because within moments of her sort of pushing back on Kylo, she's now she's got a stormtrooper walking in who also talking of cameos daniel craig as daniel craig, it, it yeah. is a great you can there's a, the voice is just enough there to, to hear it it's a nice touch um but you know she uses a mind trick on on him to um to get out of that i mean to, to go from i'm scavenging parts and getting one quarter portion to i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna convince you to release me and drop your weapon it's it's pretty quick and it's funny too because it's like of all the things that you could do with the force, is that the force? Is that the the first thing that you would think? Oh, I'm, I'm just not sure it is. No, like it's it's like you you would you would do far more sort of like probably trying to undo your shackles or trying to open the door or whatever. It is. But it's still it was still a, a great Star Wars yeah. moment. And I think because it, yeah, I think you're right because it's a great Star Wars moment because we know it's Daniel Craig and we're sort of having fun with that. Um, I think I sort of I let it pass and I enjoy it. There's also something subtle that i've not picked up on i don't think before but i did this rewatch um and it, it goes right back to vader using the force in uh, a new hope um when they're using the force in a moment like that there's like this really deep bass noise like a muffled sound that is played mm. at the bottom of the of the sort of the tone and, and you hear it as the force is being used and it's and you hear it with ray as well and it's a really subtle sound that works well, and I've only just noticed it. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite, um, I guess, moments in this this whole sort of, 
I guess, piece around Ray's capture is when she finally does get free and Kylo discovers that she's missing and just the the rage that he goes into and then the two fourth, the First Order troopers like about to come in the room and they're like, nah, not yes, for us. Yes. Those stormtroopers, that's you and me. If they needed two people to cameo in that role, it's like walking along, we're doing our job, we've got to go and see the boss, he's clearly not in the mood let's yeah. let's go back down to level eight and find ourselves a snack it's like um it's 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 uh let's just walk out <laughs> of here because and the rage Indeed. with that um there's a couple of rage scenes isn't there that's the one but also the moment where he's beating everything up and then he sort of turns and he goes anything else it's like the, the, the poor officer really is um yeah he's in a lot of trouble and i imagine it's it's high risk when you're like waving your lightsaber around inside a you know like a spaceship like what are you destroying you know is it i know it's it's off last person you want with a lightsaber is kylo ren it really is we never saw that with yeah i guess we saw moments of that with vader when he would get angry and he would sort of Mm. force he he would take it out on people but i never i don't have a memory correct me if i'm wrong of vader taking it out on the equipment necessarily no no but i guess it's probably better to do the equipment than the people but (laughs) Yeah. It is. Right. He's better than Vader in that respect. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Shall we uh shall we transition down, obviously? So um Ray is sort of deep into her escape, but at the same time, um we've got our our heroes arriving uh on Starkiller Base yeah, and to, to plan their great escape. It's so good. And the entry into Starkiller Base and how they how they um, hyper jump, hyper jump, light speed jump, hyperspace jump, whatever the word is, how they they come out of hyperspace within the atmosphere, and you know, Hannah sort of explained to Leia, "Don't ask me how I'm going to do this because you won't like it," sort of thing. Um, again, classic Han Solo move, and the tension of being on Star Killer Base and being on the planet, and um, you know, we've got Finn, and Finn knows some stuff, but it turns out that maybe his job wasn't quite as high ranked as we thought it was um and then it's like oh don't worry we'll just use the force and hands like that's not how the force works it's like seeing han explain to finn how the force does or doesn't work is a really great laugh out loud moment and then you you top that off with chewy saying oh really you're cold it's like it's so much yeah 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 yeah, it's it's such a great scene, isn't it? I think, again, like, there's all these great sort of just, I think, character bonding moments throughout this, which just kind of keep it really wholesome. And I, I love once we sort of start to break into the base that we, we get this another moment with Captain Phasma. Yes. But at the same time, it's such a disappointing moment because we've kind of had the hype of Captain Phasma being this kind of a intriguing, amazing character. And I feel like it's kind of... Uh, captured and tricked so quickly yes. and it's kind of like what like this is i wish they didn't do it with phasma i wish that was that was some other yeah. mid-tier correct the the trying to set up the dynamic with the finn phasma which we'll see in subsequent movie but uh it's um yeah it's just the, the, the character of phasma at this point i really wanted them to be more of a, you know if you're going to give a stormtrooper a silver um you know if you're going to go the whole chrome look um i want them to be taking out some people along the way i want them to show how they've earned that you know and obviously you and i've talked about the phasma novel in, in previous podcasts about the, the backstory there but i feel like 
if you think about the amount of time we spent with Kanja Club and the ref stars, let's get rid of that scene. I mean, I'm jumping straight into it right now in terms of what would I change. Let's let's get rid of that and let's have um, let's have some scenes with Phasma delivering some some pain, some retribution, doing some some things good for the first order and actually let's not just have because as funny as it might be to have finn screaming at her i'm in charge now i'm in you know it's it's not enough mm-hmm. i think you're right you're it's i think and this is probably yeah, i think you're right this is probably the same scenes that i would change as well because i think there's just so much potential for that character and i think this has always been the magic with star wars right like the characters that you know the least about are often the best and i think you know like boba fett for a long time was that character because we knew very little about him um and i think with captain phasma they could have had that same hype if they'd either done less with her and just never had these kind of weak moments or if they kind of leaned into it and and showed us more of her character yeah oh yeah couldn't agree more it's uh but hey if this is our biggest complaint, we're doing okay so far. Um, so the the attack on the base, the the rebels coming, oh, rebels. So the resistance uh, coming in. There's a lot of things going on, but on the on the ground, um, we're now the big finale of Starkiller Base. Um, there's there's multiple things that happen in this final scene. Where do you want to go first, Dan? I think should we start with I guess um, Kylo and Han? Do we do we sort of talk about their and then I think maybe let's move on to kind of the uh, the the lightsaber battle that kind of yeah. ensues. So the scene where Han screams out Ben and gets his attention, I I don't know. I can't I I can't be I can't remember clearly enough to be honest right now. But I felt like I was buying into um what what ren was or what ben was saying to his father i felt like oh he's you know he's he's coming back over and then he puts this when he puts the saber through han i feel like that hurts more than it hurts for han but for us as the audience i feel like that hurts more than anything we've seen in star wars for uh for a generation like i, I feel like with all due respect to any of the pain in the prequels i feel like Nothing has hurt like seeing Han taken out um, as his body falls and uh, and and Chewie screams. I oh, the, the Chewie scream. That's the bit that got me. Like, I, first of all, I'm already in shock that we've just lost one of our greatest uh, pilots ever in the Star Wars universe. And, but to see Chewie genuinely kind of like the 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 roar, the scream of sadness. Yeah. It got me. Paul. And Leia, the, the the cut to Leia, she feels it as well. Again, that shows on a number of levels her her um, understand her, her relationship with the Force. That's starting to really ramp up. Um, it's 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 um, oh, you know we're looking back on it now, having seen subsequent movies. It, it feels part of the story now, but at the time it was like, oh, don't no, don't. It, it just I just didn't want to end yet. You need that pain. You need those moments to, you know, really then you 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 now need to be anti-Kylo because now Kylo is the bad guy. And we need that going into the next couple of movies. And we, he solidified his place as someone we, we don't like at this point. Indeed, indeed. It's... Uh... It's it's tough because Kylo is so great as well. But it's and it was kind of it was probably kind of great in the in the sense of there probably needed to be a major sacrifice in this movie, yeah. right? And what 
what kind of better character to kind of do that with, but have them still be able to kind of almost live on in in spirit through some of our other characters. Yeah. Oh, and look, when I say we, we don't like Kyla, it's the same way with Vader. Like great villains have to have done terrible things, you know. Like so, for me, the the Vader Obi Wan moment at the end of A New Hope. I mean, Obi Wan being possibly my favorite character alongside Luke was, you know, seeing that happen as a kid. It's, it's it's all coming back to me, Dan. It's all coming back to me seeing Han taken out with a saber. It's always with the sabers. Honestly, they're dangerous. Well, I think, too, we don't... Uh, in the Clone Wars uh, animated TV show and in Rebels, we've seen people kind of, like, lit up with a lightsaber, like, just kind of being turned on yep. in front of them, so it kind of bursts through them. But we've never seen that in live action. No. So it's... Uh, it- Great it, 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 it is a great scene let's let's be honest it is a, an absolutely powerful scene and um and so now we're really juiced up for our, our final battle um as um as, as we get to the, the the next lightsaber battle and this is interesting right because we kind of and we're kind of jumping a few of the sort of the, the minor points here but obviously um ray and and finn individually kind of taking on on kylo ren and i think again this kind of gives you the mixed emotion about kylo because they're kind of giving him a bit of a hiding like for for people that are not have had no training no practice in using a lightsaber that they're giving him some some lickings like he gets pretty wrecked in this in this fight scene (laughs) he does and it's kind of it's out of balance it's out of kilter with what we saw in the opening scene with you know with with Los Santaka it's it's out of balance it's I can stop uh, a blaster bolt I can interrogate Poe's mind I can and yet this is the first time you've held a lightsaber and you're really taking it to me it's um it's a bit out of balance but I, I kind of let it go because I kind of think that Kylo is in turmoil he's also he has just taken out his father and so regardless of how he might think that's the right thing there's going to be that turmoil and so he's kind of mm. you know he's a little off balance he's, he's been through quite, he's had quite a day i would say um and the pressure uh, of snoke as well the manner in which snoke talks to uh kylo is less respectful than how we ever saw sidious talk to vader you know it's um it's a different relationship so that for me is kind of like you know he's still learning he's still emotionally uh compromised one thing I do love about these, uh, this particular jewel is like this kind of like the low lit forest and how it's kind yes. of like it's largely kind of these the great classic red versus blue lightsaber um, trees being cut down. It's in the snow. It's dark. There's earthquakes happening because of the destruction of Starkiller Base. It's a, it's an incredible kind of coming together um, of all these great moments. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, you combine that look and as you say that classic Star Wars red versus blue look to you combine that with when she calls for the lightsaber uh and sort of takes it through you know it doesn't go to kyle it goes to her and the the volume not just the music the, the skywalker theme itself but the volume at which they play the skywalker theme as the saber flies to ray is absolutely incredible um and then her saber technique you know, is just so ragged. And then when Ren, and when they're really close together, when when Ren mentions the Force, she 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 says, "Oh yeah, the Force," and she uses that to calm herself. And she's already learning, you know, so quickly on her first day on the job. 
Mm. I guess given who Ray turns out to be, maybe some of this makes more sense mm. in, in theory, but obviously we don't know any of these things no, that's right. at, at, at this point. Um, and I guess eventually um, we the, the Falcon arrives to kind of save um, Ray and, and Finn and, and take them to safety. Yeah, a great scene. Um, and... And not just that, but we also, as as we're uh, escaping on the Falcon, you know, Artu wakes up, you know, finally as well. So he's sort of, you know, he's he's powered up, and within ten seconds, <laughs> he manages to insult C three PO, and you know, three PO's like, "How dare you call me that?" Yeah, that's so that is classic, um, you know, banter and just real like, you know, I've been I've been switched off for a long, long time, and the first thing I do is I wake up is <laughs> remind you that I'm I'm the boss. <laughs> you know what it's like, Paul, when you're having a nap and somebody wakes you up, and it's like you know you've got no tolerance for for the yeah, riffraff. That's right. You just as the as they would say in Monday, just getting wrecked, absolutely wrecked by R two, and of course R two's got the rest of the map, and so. At this point, when the maps come together, that's when I'm like, okay, there's no doubt in my mind, we're finding Luke. And but this is where you look at your watch, though, oh. right? And you're like, well, oh, hold on a minute, there's not much of this movie left. What's going on? I'm, I'm in full panic mode on the first visit, uh, first first viewing. Sorry, I'm I'm really like, is is this going to happen? Because there's so many moments where I thought this this is where we're going to see the credits roll. It's going to say directed by JJ Abrams. I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> there's still, there's still something to do. And of course, um, yeah. I've said this a few things, uh, a few times on this podcast about this movie in terms of the strongest opening, one of my top 10 scenes. But for me, this final scene, this is the greatest Star Wars finale in a movie of, of, of all time as 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 we as we come to this uh strange island or the planets of Akto. Um and regardless of where we end up ranking this this movie in terms of uh, placings, this moment of coming to find Luke and this the music at that finale, this movie remains my greatest cinema experience of my life in terms of going in as a as a cinema experience that's that's untouched it's incredible indeed and i think this this whole moment of kind of you know obviously ray's had a, a quick inter, inter, introduction to leia they kind of strike up an instant bond she's she's able to take the falcon again and just kind of like go and find luke and you know arrives on this Again, great to see a new planet, right? Like a, a new location, this kind of like lush green island and eventually kind of come across this mysterious figure um, that we've been all been wanting to see this whole movie is, is such an incredible moment. And there were so many, um, you know, posters and pe people that were sort of drawing what they thought it would, what Luke might look like in this movie. And there were so many sort of ideas and fake trailers and fake photos and, and like what, Luke might look like, but I feel like the look of Luke in this moment at the end of this movie, I feel like it's a it's a perfect look for how I would want Luke thirty years later to look, without at this point understanding what he's been through and why he's isolated and so exiled himself. Um, but it's a it's a wonderful way to to end the movie and a real 
I mean, in terms of cliffhangers, it's amazing. That's good, I think. And this is obviously very quickly after this, we get the directed by JJ yeah. moment, and it's it's kind of like a jaw dropping, like uh, uh, like was this good? Was this <laughs> is this what I wanted? Oh, oh my god! Like, and it already, I think. What was great about this first movie is it was kind of fun to have a couple of years of speculation about where this was going to go next and what was going to happen and, you know, the origin of some of these characters and why Luke was there and who's raised parents and, you know, the list goes on. And I think I, as much as sometimes those conversations can be frustrating, I love that about the fandom and the theories and the, the fun of kind of like thinking up all these possibilities. And I think this movie did a great job at letting people kind of like build these universes in their mind yeah oh look entirely right and i think walking out of the cinema at this point and just sort of yeah as you sort of whatever each person did in their experience you so you walk out and however you traveled home and then getting home and, and sort of then trying to there's trying to get to sleep was almost impossible at this point especially when you think oh mm-hmm. i've got to get up in the morning because i've got a 10 a.m screening i'm going to <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, I've got right. to... it's already like two in the morning yeah. and you're like oh god what have i I've done i've got to go and see this yeah. again so that i can actually this time actually sort of take it in um but uh but yeah so i mean i love the the pressure that um, was put on jj abrams by bob Iger. he said I kept telling JJ Abrams, this is a four billion movie. We need to make this very special because of course that was the price he paid to buy Lucas. And so with that pressure, um what's the what's the ranking on this for you, Dan, in terms of where we and do you want to remind us where we have been with our rankings thus far? All right. So my ranking so far, going from uh do you want to go top to bottom or bottom to top? Bottom to top, I reckon. Okay, so for me, it was Attack of the Clones, The Phantom Menace, Solo, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, A New Hope, Rogue One, and Empire Strikes Back. For you, it was Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, Solo, Rogue One, A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Okay. I, I'm really struggling to to place this one, Paul. And I'm I feel like because with the other movies... I've placed them based on story and characters and and how much I've enjoyed it. Um, Whereas I feel like The Force Awakens, like you've just said, cinema experience, best I've ever had. Mm. Introduction to new characters, amazing. In the context of the wider Star Wars universe that we know in these movies, I don't know if it sits as highly as I originally thought. And going into this, before we started ranking, I would have said that The Force Awakens was probably up there as a top movie for me. But I did find in this rewatch, I didn't have as much fun rewatching this as I have with the other movies. And I, what I can't decide is, is that a symptom of the next two movies? Right. Or, and so I'm, I'm just in this conundrum. Like I'm telling you where I want to place it. I think I want to place it at number eight. Okay. So it would be Attack of the Clones, then The Force Awakens, Phantom Menace. Okay. And I think it's there, but I know that we've talked about maybe having a final reshuffle once we've done all all nine movies. Uh, Oh, actually, sorry, all ten movies, because we've got actually more than that, (laughs) 11 movies. God, lend the count. Um, 
so I think for me it's currently at number eight. But it's a they're all like this is a very strong list. Like I think eight is not necessarily bad in the Star Wars universe. Okay. So I hear what you're saying and I agree with the you know, that that first experience, the cinema experience versus the rewatch later on. Because you know, if you think what about twenty years down the line if you were to sit down and watch um, Revenge of the Sith, sit down and watch Empire Strikes Back, sit down and watch Force Awakens. What's the rewatch value then? So it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting point. I think for me, I don't, I definitely don't place it as low as you. So I would place it for me one, two, three, four. I'm going to put it in one, two, three. I'm going to put it in at number five for me, Dan. So I'm going to go put it. So it comes out after Solo. Yeah, after, after so Solo, but still ahead of Return of the Jedi, which just I feel so awful about. But you know, at the end of the day, we said before, you can't have all of these in the top three. Somewhere along the line, someone has to be eleventh, someone has to be tenth, someone has to be ninth, and it's going to be a movie that we love. I know, and because I feel like too, at the end of the day, if I had to carve, like if I if I had to carve off three, I think these are the three that like you don't necessarily need. And so that's why it's kind of like, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, it's tough. I feel like these, you could rank these lists differently based on rewatchability versus storytelling versus best characters. So yeah, no, exactly right. But um, no, it's good. It's, um, it's going to be really interesting going into these final two movies to see where they place um, in amongst it all. And then, as you say, when you when we've got everything, we'll allow ourselves a final cabinet reshuffle to to, to change it up. Yeah, no, definitely. So, um, any final points on anything you would change apart from what we've talked about? I, I think we're pretty in sync on the the Country Club, but um, anything else in this movie that you would? No, I, I, I think the the there's a there's a possibility of having Ray on a different planet to something with sand because it was so familiar to Tatooine. It's like, because this movie gets the criticism, of course, it's a remake of A New Hope. And I think having it on a uh, planet of sand, maybe, you know, could, could they have gone with something different there? Maybe it could still have worked just as easily. Um, but a minor point. Um, I feel like I would have liked a little bit more of of layer in this movie. And and sort of so when we see Admiral Akbar and we hear his voice, you know, I'm like, oh, I'd love to see more of Akbar and and some of the rebel, well, the old rebels, but now the resistance. Some of the resistance side because we get so much First Order, and that whenever we see the resistance, it's largely in battle. But seeing the resistance HQ and some of the things going on there, I would have liked a bit more of that. But really, beyond that, this movie delivers most of the things I would have wanted from Episode Seven. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it's it's probably like we didn't need the Kanja Club clean. I would have liked to see more of um Captain Phasma. I agree with you, it would have been great to see more Leia. Um I think and I think this is an unfair comment um based on this movie alone, but I feel like I wish they had more of the three movies kind of plotted out at this point because it yes. feels like things they set up in here don't really continue and I it it just feels like they made each movie kind of individually rather than having a connected story. Correct, yeah. But uh, I think you're right, but I, I those aren't criticisms I can label at this movie. So it's kind of no, it's, that's, no. that's that comes later and it's kind of like um you know if I if I set up the design of something and I hand it over to someone else to implement if it doesn't go the plan if they change things mm, well that's not mm. on me 
indeed, indeed. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of a, another one of our Star Wars reviews. It does indeed. Thanks for listening in. I'm really excited to get into the last Jedi as well. But um, yeah, if you've got any thoughts on our review of The Force Awakens or anything that you would change for this movie, as always, get in touch with us at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on our social media. And also a special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Trisha Brady, Dinah Kanawa, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.